0: Well, I hope you all had a uh, very good Christmas um, and, uh, and have had a good year. But many of us at Christmas time and other times, we may not have had a good year. Um, and because we all go through hard times. One of my sons posted uh, recently that he went into 2023 Uh, with the idea that it would be a year of self-improvement. And he started uh, to set some goals, professional and personal. Uh, He worked out regularly. Uh, He started eating better. uh, And he took more responsibility at his job. But at the end of July, he was laid off from his job uh, without warning and for no real reason. And then uh, he ran a 5K, Uh, in September and significantly injured his foot, which made it impossible to jog, which is his favorite form of exercise, and even made walking uncomfortable. Now, things like that don't only uh, affect us physically, uh, but cause depression, anxiety, irritability, and make it a struggle just to keep moving. Another friend of ours, is only in her 60s but she has early onset Alzheimer's Uh, and her Alzheimer's has affected her ability to see uh, and now she has been moved into uh, an assisted living facility. A number of our friends are divorced uh, and they struggle with loneliness and the unrequited desire uh, to uh, meet uh, someone from the opposite sex but he or she Just does not seem to be out there. And again, we are coming to the end of the Christmas and holiday season, uh, and there's something known as seasonal affective disorder, uh, which affects many people at this time of the year. It causes sadness, depression, listlessness, etc. I mean, we think of our family members who are gone, uh, the kids who are far away. Uh, The things we shouldn't have done that we did, and the things we should have done that we didn't do. Uh, And when we're going through hard times, we tend to focus on our bad circumstances, and we wonder, is there any hope? Well, this actually tends to make our symptoms worse, but there is hope, and there is help. Now, before he became the king of Israel, David faced terrible circumstances. He wrote Psalm 57 when his very life was in danger. He was fleeing from King Saul, uh, who was determined to kill him, uh, and he was hiding in a cave. Now, this psalm shows us a better way to get through our hard times. And not only get through them, but to see them as a positive benefit in our lives. So let me read Psalm 57. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, which is very similar to the English Standard Version, uh, which is in your seatbacks in front of you. So Psalm 57, a psalm of David. Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God Most High, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me, Selah. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. This psalm is telling us to put our problems in proper perspective. Now we're going to walk through this psalm section by section and then consider how to live it out and its implications for our lives. Now the first section is verses one through three, which is a prayer for God's grace and confidence of his help. In these verses, David moves from crying out to God to expressing his confidence of God's help. So let me read verses 1 through 3 again. Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until the destruction passes by. I will cry to God Most High, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. Selah. God will send forth his loving-kindness and his truth. Now, notice in verses 1 and 2, David is pleading to God. Yet he's not like many of us or so many people we may know. When bad things happen to us or to ones we love, many people think, how could you let this happen to me? And some conclude, I don't believe in a God who lets things like this happen. Now, David is not like that. He knows God exists. He knew that in this world, in these bodies, bad things will happen to us. This is a fallen world. Physical things in this world beyond our control cause bad things to happen. Corruption in the political, social, and economic system, causes bad things to happen. And beyond that, every human being, ourselves included, is sinful, self-centered, and warped. And as a result, people cause bad things to happen to others. We cause bad things to happen to others, and we cause bad things to happen to ourselves. Jesus told us that if bad things happen to him, God himself come to earth and the only pure, good, and righteous person who has ever lived. If bad things happen to him, then bad things will certainly happen to us. Now what David is showing us in verses 1 and 2 is that when bad things happen to us, we should not shake our fist at God and turn away from him. Instead, that is the very time we need to draw closer to him. When he tells us at the end of verse 1, in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, he's pointing us to what Jesus himself said in Matthew 23, verse 37, where he said, How often... I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. As David says in verse 2, we need to take refuge in him until the destruction passes and it will pass. When we draw close to the Lord in our hard times, verse 3 tells us that God will send forth his loving-kindness And his truth. We can have confidence in him. We know that because we just saw from Matthew 23 that Jesus wants us to be gathered in him under the shelter of his wings. As that great song, I heard the bells on Christmas Day says, and in despair I bowed my head There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote that song on Christmas Day, 1863, just two years after his wife had died in a fire, and shortly after he learned that his oldest son had been severely wounded in battle and might end up being paralyzed. He came to the realization that despite the nation being at war with itself, And despite his own pain and grief, God is still alive. He is in charge and he is good. We can have confidence in God because Jesus was faithful all the way to the end. He bore our sins upon himself and endured uh, for us the ultimate punishment For our multitude of sins so that we won't have to. Although he was killed, Jesus rose from the dead. He is not dead nor doth he sleep. He hears us and will answer us. Now the next section of this psalm is verses 4 through 6. Verses 4 and 6 set forth David's situation and they frame verse 5, which is a call for God to be exalted and glorified. So verses 4 through 6, My soul is among lions, I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, O God, Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. Selah. Now verse 5 is the central part of the central section of this psalm. It gives us the focus and perspective we need when facing hard times. The key here is that verses 4 and 6 tell us that David is in the very midst of a very severe trial. He is among deadly men who want him dead. He says it's like being surrounded by fire-breathing lions. His soul is bowed down. And yet, and yet, he's not focusing, not dwelling, and not ruminating on his circumstances. The key is that he is looking outside of himself and of his circumstances. He is focusing and dwelling on the Lord. He's calling on the Lord to be exalted and glorified. If we do this, it will put our problems, however severe they may be, into proper perspective. We will see that there is a God, a great God, a good God, who loves us and who has the whole world in his hands. But David's comment about the lions connects with 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, which says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. Peter again is telling us there is hope. We can resist falling into despair even when Satan himself is attacking us because we can resist the devil. The Apostle James puts it this way in James 4 verses 7 and 8. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil And he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now we may not understand why things are happening to us the way they are, but we are reminded that this world did not create itself. God created it. He owns it. He is sovereign and he has a plan that includes us and includes the very situation we are in. If we are faithful and turn to him, not away from him, God will be exalted and glorified by us and people will see that. The angels will see it. What is happening to us is being played out on a far bigger stage than we are able to perceive. As Hebrews 12, verse 1 reminds us, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now that leads us to the next section of this psalm, which is verses 7 through 10. Uh, In these verses, David is steadfast and will praise God for his loving kindness and his truth. So verses 7 through 10. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds." Now notice in these verses we see practical ways how to put our problems into proper perspective. Verses 7 through 9 speak of singing and music. Verse 9 also speaks of thanking God and praising him. Singing, music, thanks, and praise. These responses are the very opposite of the way most people, and perhaps many of us, respond when we face trials and hard times. But look at verse 10, which says, for your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Verse 10 repeats the fact of God's loving kindness and his truth. But it goes on uh, to uh, tell us that his loving kindness is great to the heavens and his truth to the clouds. In other words, God's loving kindness and truth surpass everything else in this world. Now, we may not understand why things are happening the way they are, but that does not mean that God does not have a good reason for ordaining things to happen the way they do. For example, I may not understand why a metal object weighing over 250 tons can fly, but the airliner I get into Does in fact fly. Our knowledge and our perspective are simply too small. Now maybe it's inevitable but we all tend to look only at what is right in front of our own face. Our lives revolve around us and when bad things happen, when we are in physical, financial, or relational pain, we focus on the pain and the circumstances that are confronting us. Now, this psalm is telling us again and again to lift our eyes off of ourselves and of our problems. Try to take it deeply into us that God is here. He is in charge. He has a plan, and that is, plan includes us and it includes our circumstances his loving kindness is great to the heavens and his truth to the clouds put our problems in perspective when we do we will be able to conclude just like the great russian christian novelist Fyodor dostoevsky said he said I believe, like a child, that suffering will be healed and made up for. I believe that all the humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will vanish like a mirage, like the despicable fabrication of the impotent and infinitely small Euclidean mind of man. I believe that at the world's end, at the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious Will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts, for the comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, of all the blood that has been shed. I believe that it will not only be possible to forgive, but to justify all that has happened. And that leads us to verse 11, the last section of this psalm. Verse 11 repeats what David said in verse 5. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. He is repeating that our response to our hardships should be to exalt and glorify God. When this is our focus and our perspective, everything else pales in comparison. And think about it, when we go through hard times and do not exalt and glorify God, what does that amount to? It amounts to facing and going through our hard times on our own, all by ourselves. That is a recipe for depression, dysfunction, and disaster. God does not mean for us to go through life alone, especially not to go through hard times alone. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He is alive. He is present. Draw on him. Now, how do we do this? And what are the implications of this for our lives? Well, this psalm points us to the resources we have. Our resources are far greater than what David had uh, in order to face hard circumstances. This psalm is pointing us to Jesus Christ, who has already been gracious to us and in whom we have our refuge. Verses 1, 3, and 10 point us to what Jesus said in Hebrews 13, verse 5, when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And what he said in Matthew 28, verse 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the Apostle Paul knew this. He lived a very hard life, far harder than any of us have lived. Yet he was able to say, in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing? In the face of being beaten, and whipped and stoned and imprisoned and shipwrecked and facing hunger and want and slander and false charges and persecution. But in Jesus Christ he did it and he was a person just like us. He could do this because it wasn't in his own strength. It was Christ in him who enabled him to face severe hardship with faith and even with joy. That's why Paul could go on to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So what are the implications of this for our lives? I see at least four implications. First, everything that happens to us has been filtered through God's hands. Second, and related to this is Christ is with us in our suffering and distress if you have not yet turned to him then do so if you already have draw on his presence and his power he is to be exalted and glorified above everything which means our lives should revolve around him, not ourselves. Third, Christ passed through the greatest distress of all, hell itself, so that A, we would not have to, and B, we can trust him. And fourth, whatever is happening to us, he is using to mature us and to enable us to comfort and help others who are also facing hard times. Now that should remind us uh, that we need to have a different, a broader, and a deeper perspective on our hard times. When we focus only on ourselves and our hardships, we turn inward. In effect, we shrink ourselves. Uh, but by having a broader perspective we are now able to stop focusing on ourselves and our troubles and stop dwelling on our own hardships and we're seeing that we are not the only ones who face hard times we are now able to see that others are suffering too and by helping them cope with their suffering and comforting them with the comfort which we ourselves have been comforted by God, not only are we helping fellow sufferers, but our very act of helping others tends to diminish our own suffering and pain. Again, because now we're not dwelling on ourselves and our own problems, but we have changed our focus to others. And that, in turn, will exalt and glorify God, as the psalm exhorts us to do. So let me conclude by saying this. We all go through hard times. The key to successfully going through hard times is to put our problems in proper perspective. Although we may feel that what is happening to us is unfair, we should remember that everything that happens to us Is filtered through God's hands. We are not alone. Christ is with us in our suffering and distress. We can trust him. He endured hell so that we won't have to. And that should help us put our problems in proper perspective uh, because however bad our problems are, they are not hell and they never will be. Christ himself was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, so we can expect problems in our own lives. But he said that he will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us in our suffering, but not just with us. He is using our hard times to mature us and make us more like himself. The proof of that will be when we, in turn, can use our experiences to help and comfort others in their distress and in their hard times. And that will happen because it will be Jesus working in us and living his life out through us and doing in and through us what we could never do on our own. In short, He will use our suffering and hard times to make us more like Himself. And to become like Him is the very goal of our life. So let me pray with you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you for helping us to gain a greater perspective on our lives and particularly the hard times we go through. And I thank you, Lord God, for coming to earth personally in the presence of Jesus Christ, in going through all the hard times that we go through and more so that we can then help others because you said you will come to live inside of us, be with us, and give us the power to enable us to get through the hard times with faith and even with joy and then help others too. We hold this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.